There's a whole crowd of men out there who need this. Welcome to the case study. This case study will be marked down in time. Known to all as the record keeper of the historic rise of the woke man. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Actually, welcome, gentlemen. I don't know if any women will be listening to this, but quite frankly, I don't care. What I want is to see the change in man. Yes, that's hurt. The change in man. This is the Woke Man series, where you hear the stories of men who changed, who laid to rest their old ways of thinking, and who opened up and started expressing their truth. Revealing emotion, strengthening their self-awareness, and breaking free from the old paradigm of being a man. This is going to help men find the courage to open up, to break the shackles of toxic masculinity, and to guide them home in becoming a better man. Let's go. Oh, by the way, it's Luca. Luca Reedy from the Feeling Alive podcast. And The Woke Man is a sub-series. You're welcome. Welcome back to The Woke Man series, ladies and gentlemen. We're in the 60s. episode. The episodes are in the 60s now, which is phenomenal. So we haven't got too many to go, and so far the series has been incredible. And I feel really cool to just talk about this for a little bit. Woke Man is not a uh, destination. It's not a pedestal. Okay, it's not a destination. There's none, none of these men are better than you out there who are just starting this journey or we're not looking at creating this series to be making you feel bad about where you're at. This is just a case study to paint the picture that it is possible to change and it is possible to be different. It is possible to find more wholeness and fulfillment. And as you'll see through the questions that I asked, the answers show that the men that you see now were not always this way. And so for all of you who are on the cusp of change, all of you that are wanting more out of your life and you don't know where to start, just start here. Just start with one of these series. But again, just because you're in chapter one doesn't mean you have to compare yourself to chapter 20. It does not mean chapter 20 is better than chapter one. It's just where you're at right now. And that's contributed by something big, far bigger than what I could even perceive or imagine. And, and that is completely okay. If you've listened to these series now, you'll see that there's been over 60 heart-centered men that are coming out to of their shells to reveal their true story of their journey, their awakening journey. And when you think about awakening, it doesn't mean you're going down a spiritual path, but it does tend to mean that that's a byproduct of this change. That's what I'm seeing at least, but it is coming into more of your truth and your true potential. And today, I'm with my new friend, Thanks to Mr. Kurt Tropiana. I'm with my new friend here, Joe, and he's going to share his story. Joe, brother, welcome to the series. Thanks, Luca. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's a pleasure, man. I was, and I talk about new friend because Kurt, Kurt introduced us on Instagram when I moved to Vancouver and we, we hung out the other week and we ended up catching up for hours, man, and having such a good conversation. It was awesome. Yeah, it was, it was like we knew each other for a while and just hit it off. So Yeah. One of those instant friendships that, you know, was just like a happy surprise. Um, and first question, where did you grow up and where do you live now? 
Uh, so I was born in Vancouver, but I grew up in the Philippines uh, probably about until I was like five or six and then came back here into Canada. Yeah. And so that's where I currently reside is in Vancouver, BC. But between then and now, I have lived in different places like Miami, um, Hawaii for a big part of my life. So all of that has shaped me to who I am now. Are you glad to be in Vancouver? I am now. Initially, I wasn't. Yeah. Crazy story. I always felt like I belonged somewhere else, but the universe kept bringing me back to Vancouver. And slowly but surely, it's kind of showing me why Vancouver has been such a blessing mm. um, in terms of career, people I've met. Uh, so, yeah, I'm just very thankful in this moment. Yeah, beautiful, man. Beautiful. And what do you, oh, sorry, how old are you now? I am 32. 32, yeah, that's right. And what do you do for a living? Uh, for a living, so I'm a full-time firefighter, and then part-time, I got a bunch of different jobs uh, as a kinesiologist, um, exercise rehab therapist. Um, I help out in the community centers, mm-hmm. supervise different sections there, and uh, yeah, I'm always looking for new skills to kind of acquire and keep my mind stimulated, so yeah. You're always reading and always learning, right? A- always. Lifelong learner. Yeah. Uh, it was never that way, just... One day I just kind of realized I loved reading and just <laughs> one book after the other. Yeah. So I wish I had learned, I'd found the types of books I wanted when I was younger, but you know, everything happens for a reason Yeah. and kind of build some resilience. So yeah. How old were you when you first started reading when you learned you wanted to read more? Uh, when I wanted to read more, it was probably when I was 22. 23 up to that point it was just oh i have to read it for school i have to do it yeah it wasn't it was more for external reasons and then all of a sudden i kind of realized you know i have this internal ambition to just always want to read yeah yeah and yeah it's been continued to this day and what's that what was the first book that you read that kind of set me on the path was uh the monk who sold his ferrari mm. uh I don't know what it was about that book. It was kind of taught me more how to be more mindful and just present in the moment. Mm. And I guess that's the start of my, my conscious journey. Mm. Cause I was just so go, 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 got to do this, got to do that. Um, my schedule was always set in stone. Uh, I never really had time to just take a moment and just, you know, enjoy the view of where I'm at. Mm. Yeah. Beautiful, man. What's one thing you're really good at Joe? One thing I'm really good at is, you know, including others and uh, staying humble, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm never too good to learn more. I know I don't know everything. Mm-hmm. And I'm never too prideful to ask for help or even just for advice. And along the way, I know every, I have something to learn from everyone, regardless of where they're at in their life, whether they're older, younger, um, poor rich like there's always something you can learn a different perspective so i kind of feel like those two have really helped me to this point Mm, incredible man what's your biggest fear right now my biggest fear right now would be to be with someone or a group of people and feel very lonely so almost like you know not being true to myself and kind of giving in the, the joneses and Mm. trying to fit in and so i guess that would be my biggest fear is you know not physically but like internally to feel very alone because i was too afraid to 
stand up and just, you know, be proud of who I was mm. and let, let my tribe who with similar feelings and similar values kind of find me. Oof. Yeah, man. I totally resonate with that. That's been a, um, a big part of my life too. So I totally feel that it's the first time someone's actually ever mentioned that. So that's cool. That's the first fear. <laughs> like that's the first type of fear that someone's mentioned like that. Um, what's your favorite quote, man? Oh, I'd say right now my favorite quote would be uh, love is like playing the piano. First, you got to play by the rules. Then you got to play by the heart. Mm-hmm. And that just doesn't apply to love. It applies to pretty much, you know, anything that you do that you want to do with passion. Mm-hmm. You know, first, you got to learn how to how things work how to, by the rules. And then once you kind of master that or get a good feel for that, then you let like, you know, your creative juices flow and, you know, make it so it's expressing you and how you want to be expressed and uh, depicted. Mm-hmm. That's awesome, man. I love that one. It can literally be transferred anywhere, really, can't it? Like that. Yeah, yeah it can. Yeah. And what's a conscious man to you? A conscious man to me um, would be realizing that there's a duality in man. So, you know, you can be sad and happy. You can be you can cry and also be strong. Um, like there's no one side to it. There's like a balance between it mm-hmm. and one side gives meaning to the other. Um, like you wouldn't know life without death. If there was no death. Like people wouldn't cherish their lives and, you know, spend what they, or do what they wanted to, to do and live their life to the fullest basically. Mm. So Definitely having that duality is, you know, like you don't have to be one thing more than the other. It's okay to be both. Sometimes it'll be one more than the other, but, you know, you got to be able to embrace both sides. Mm. Kind of like, you know, masculine energy, feminine energy. Mm. Everyone has both in them. The ratio might be a little different. Um, it's not always 50-50, but it's always there. Mm. Um, so there's no like certain way that you should be or behave or act. Um, it's being able to be okay with that. Mm, that's really hard for people isn't it <laughs> to be okay with it i i believe so yeah like they always feel like they got to act one way or you know they can't display a certain emotion because it'll make them seem less than mm. um or they always feel a lack mm-hmm. so it's you know what i mean like it's it's crazy it's like there's no problem with you it's you just got to realize that sometimes what you think is right or think what you should do is not your belief. It's just someone who's kind of uh, bestowed it upon you and made you feel like this is, this is the way. Mm. Yeah. It's so coming back to that truth in you and deconditioning yourself. That's a challenge, man. But I love that. Perspective. Yeah. I love that perspective. Um, what's one thing that challenges you right now? Um, one thing that challenges me right now is, sticking to my way of how I should help someone. So there's different methods of approach. And I always kind of, I guess it's just like a certain bias, just how I am wired. But, you know, sometimes talking to someone is not the best way to help them. Like, um, so for example, um, my parents are very set in their ways. It's not a bad thing. Um, It's just, it's hard for them to stay open to new things. And so if I were to talk to them, it kind of just goes in one ear and out the other. Mm -hmm. So what I've done is I've kind of realized they're very visual. 
So what I do is if I pick them up from somewhere, I'll always take a different way back to the house. And sometimes I'll go through the nice neighborhoods. Sometimes I'll go through, you know, the less affluent neighborhoods. And the reason why, the reason why I do that is, you know, to kind of show them a different perspective. And then when they start asking me questions, like, you know, why are you driving me through here? And then I can start having those talks that I've always wanted without forcing it upon them. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, like kind of not putting people in, in uh, helping them in a way that I feel is best for me, but it's more best for them. Mm. So that's definitely my, my biggest challenge is staying open to, okay, well, this method's not working. What can I do? Mm. Um, how do you find, like, how do you find yourself approaching that? So getting out of like, what's good for you and what's good for them. How do you shift into that? Or have you been doing it? Is it more like coming from that heart or? Um, it's definitely um, a lot of journaling at first. Because sometimes if I try and wing it, um, I might just be doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result, mm. which is like the definition of insanity. Mm. So being able to like put those thoughts down and having something to look back on, mm. um, like, okay, you know, I've said this, I've done that, and it's pretty much the same thing. But to my, in my own head, I'm thinking I'm doing a, this, a different thing. Yeah. So definitely writing down a few different ideas and like testing them out, like how it would, it would work. Mm. Um, and then I can kind of let go of what I thought worked and let something new come into my mind or a different idea, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, definitely Beautiful. journaling and then, you know, like having an introspective, uh, talk with myself definitely helps with that. Mm. Definitely does help, man. Love that. What's unconditional love mean to you, Joe? Uh, unconditional love means, you know, no matter what someone goes through, says, does, you'll always love them and always support them. Mm. Um, but sometimes that support isn't always like, uh, sometimes the support can be like discipline, you know what I mean? And sometimes people feel like unconditional love is always happy, go lucky rainbows, but sometimes it's being able to like put up a boundary for them and telling them like, you can't do this. Like Mm. unconditional love is being what you need to be um, for the person to grow. Mm. And so sometimes it doesn't always look pretty. And I think a lot of people are scared to be unpretty in in that sense. Mm -hmm. But I feel like if that's what's needed for that person's consciousness to evolve and grow and just have a realization of where they're at, Mm. I think that's where you got to be. I love that being who you need to be for that person to grow. That's cool, man. Feel that. Uh, last question for this one. Do you believe in a greater power and what is that to you? Um, I've always struggled with that. And honestly, I think at this point, I do believe there is a greater power. Um, and sorry, what was the second part of that question? What is that to you? What is that to me? So to me, that is having a trust that what you do and how you act in this world, um, the things you that you require to become who you want to be, will come as long as you continue to just have trust that, you know, everything happens for a reason. Mm. Um, and I know that's hard for a lot of people to accept because there are a lot, a lot of low vibrational things happening in the world. Mm-hmm. And so that's how I kind of look at it is through vibration. Like there's a lot of high vibrating people and things happening and there's a lot of low vibrating people, um, and things that are, are not, so ha- like so good for the world mm. um 
and being able to look at it in that perspective kind of puts things at ease for, for me or myself, mm-hmm. um, especially in the work that I do. Um, compassion fatigue is something that really can kick in if you don't have a good control of how you look at things and how you perceive and believe it. So just because someone's a low vibrating person doesn't mean uh, they're any less of you. Mm-hmm. So I believe if you can put yourself in a hybrid, high vibrating state, it's easier for you to, to just see people who are on that same wavelength. Mm-hmm. And those that are below you kind of just, you see them, but you don't really, doesn't really bother you or affect you because you're so you're vibrating such at a higher altitude that it's easier for you to look ahead than it is for you to look down. Mm-hmm. If that mm-hmm. makes sense. Mm-hmm. I love that, man. I, I love hearing everyone's different perspective on that question. It's really beautiful. So let's get into your journey, your personal journey, now that we've seen your perspective on on life. And I use this term unwoke as to define, you know, when you weren't so aware of yourself. What did mm-hmm. your life look like as unwoke and, and how does that compare to now, Joe? So before I became, you know, more aware and mindful of where I was presently at, um, my unwoke life kind of looked like, okay, uh, you know, I had a girlfriend, I'm going to marry her, we're going to have kids. And like, that's it. Like, and to me, I I never really looked at it. I was like, well, after you get married and have kids, like what's next? I never really asked my question, asked that question to myself. And like, um, I just thought things were going to be all good and you live a happy life. Just like, you know, as, as I was told growing up Mm. numerous times, um, and so now, now that I'm a little bit more, um, conscious, um, so basically that heartbreak of that relationship kind of set me on the path to become more aware because once that ended my whole future that I thought I had, I had to start asking myself questions like, well, what's next? What happens now? Because I had this certain image and certain pathway set in my mind that was going to happen now that it's not there. I mean, I'm, I'm venturing into the unknown. Mm. And so I kind of went back to what made me a, a successful person in my eyes. And that's, and that was one of two things. One was just working hard and two was working on myself. So I put those two together, you know, I started lifting and I, I knew like, okay, that was just for the physical aspect. Mm. I still have my mental and spiritual side and emotional side. So what can I do to improve that? Um, and so that's when reading started to come into play, um, listening to podcasts. Um, and so I would do that over and over again. And then slowly and surely I started to realize like, you know, there was a whole new life out there and it could be anything that I wanted. Um, and so being woke now, I kind of realized that anything that I, I want can happen as long as I put in the work. Mm-hmm. Um, everything requires work, work to receive, work to keep a blessing, um, work to get rid of old stagnant things in your life that are holding you back from receiving you things. And so, um, yeah, um, definitely I feel a whole lot different now. Um, mm-hmm. one of the other things I always lived by was, you know, the day you stop learning is the day you start feeling old. Mm-hmm. And so after having that epiphany of you know what am i going to do next with my life 
you know, I've never felt more energetic, more younger, so to speak, because every day I'm learning something new and I'm always questioning things, not just to be a, just, just, uh, you know, have conversations like, you know, why is this the way it is? Why do we have to do this, do it this way? Or, um, it just gives me a new perspective and makes me always want to stay curious about, you know, is there another way to do things? Is there another way to live? Is there another way to just go about how you can achieve whatever it is you want in life? That's beautiful, man. It's a beautiful shift. Uh, um, it's so interesting to see the two different sides and, and we'll, we'll dive a little bit deeper into that with the next couple of questions. Uh, what was your biggest vice in that unwoke period, Joe? Like, did you have, like, were you drinking a lot? Like, was it seeking validation? Like, what sort of, what was that thing that grabbed hold of you that you couldn't let go of? Um, biggest vice, definitely people-pleasing. Mm. That would be my biggest vice is because I would ignore everything that I knew I needed. And I could kind of feel it too because my stomach would get a little upset. I'd get, like um like this anxious like irritable wave in my body and you know i'd simply just ignore and be like well this is what she needed i had to give it to her or this is what my parents expect of me this is what i gotta do so that was definitely my biggest vice was just people pleasing but it got to a point where kind of just feel so physically mm. and i couldn't sleep for the longest time because or get like a good night rest because something was just wrong it was almost like a chemical imbalance because my my heart, body, and mind was telling me to do one thing, but I was over overriding it and trying forcing it to do another thing. Um, and to a point where I was kind of swimming against the current so long that um, I just had a period where, you know, it kind of broke down. And I was like, you know, what the fuck am I doing? Like, mm. you know, the people that matter don't mind, and the people who do mind don't matter to you. So when I kind of realized that I started to notice, you know, I got to put myself around people who want the best for me unconditionally and the people who keep, you know, commenting like, Oh, why are you doing that? Oh, why are you reading that? Or, you know, those are the people I kind of realized like I shouldn't really be around them. And even if those people were family members, there was still a way for me to kind of separate myself and put myself in an environment where, yeah, I can still be around them, but I don't have to be around them 24 seven or I don't have to like, you know, talk to them weekly like I used to because if they have such negative things to say, why would I put myself in that toxic situation? Mm. So definitely now yeah, I kind of give no fucks about what people think. <laughs> um, excuse, excuse the language, but I'm, I'm definitely more confident now. Like, you know, if, if you want to go party a certain way and I don't agree with it, I can still go and have fun on my own. Um, doesn't mean like you have to think less of me or I can't have just as much fun as you. Like, I guess I'm kind of like trailblazing that path where, you know, like I'm confident in who I am and how I do things. Like I'm still open to how new perspectives and, and why you do the way, why you do the things the way you do. Um, but also, you know, like give me a chance and hear me out. Like, you know, I'm, just because you've been doing it that way, doesn't mean it's the only way to do things. You know what I mean? So totally. yeah, now that you asked that question, I, that definitely was my biggest vice was just people pleasing and like not following my own, my own inner voice. Yeah, man. Yeah. It's such a, I, I was, I'm with you too, man. It's like that 
fear of confrontation almost or like you don't want to be like outcasted or judged and you just like want to fit in. Yeah. So uncomfortable, man. But even now, like, you know, I'm still letting go of parts of that and coming deeper into, yeah, you know what? I like this. I like reading that. I like doing that. That's me. Um, and accepting that. Like, do you still find moments where you sort of got to check yourself now? Oh, 100%. Like, um, you, you, nailed, you nailed it when you said, like, you inv- avoid certain discussions or certain confrontations. Um, and I notice now when I do that, I get, like, this bubbly feeling in my gut. It's, like, it's almost like it's it's the body signal, like, you know, what are you doing? Like, if you do this, you're going to make not only us upset, but eventually it's going to come back to bite you. So when I get those moments, it's like, I kind of have to take a step back, take a breath and be like, okay, well, what am I avoiding? Why am I avoiding it? And so I try and nip it at the butt within like that day. So if like, if I'm avoiding a conversation, let's say for example, about money, someone brings it up and I'm like, oh yeah, everything's good. No worries. No worries. And then I'll start getting that feeling. I'll be like, no, like I have to actually talk about this. So I'll, you know, go reach out to that person again and just start bringing up the conversation. And, you know, slowly but surely, I think that feeling is more of like, it's a little apprehension because you're going into an area of unknown. So your guard's always up because you don't know what to expect, whether it's good or bad. But once you start diving deep into that topic or that thing, things start settling and um, kind of dissipating and, you know, you kind of realize like, Oh, this was just like that fear was just an illusion. It was just your body kind of trying to protect yourself. But when you realize like you're just trying to gather more information, it was harmless. You know what I mean? Mm. And so I kind of started to realize like, it's don't, don't get me wrong. I still get it here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's the beauty of it is like, you know, it's a never ending process. Like just because you become more conscious doesn't mean life gets better instantly. Like it's, it's always a constant um, progress. Like you're always learning, always practicing because mm. that's what makes perfect, right? You got to keep practicing it. It's not one that you do it once and you're, uh, you know, like you put your 10,000 hours in already. Like it doesn't work like that. <laughs> and, I, and like, don't get me wrong, falling and making mistakes is a part of the learning process. Like yeah. how else are you going to learn? Like if you, if you already know something, you haven't learned anything. Yeah. So there's not, nothing wrong with mistakes and that's definitely something I fell fell with. Um, making mistakes was like the biggest no-no in my life growing up. Perfect. And that definitely held, held me back and because I was trying to be perfect. And it's like, it's impossible, man. Like, yeah. you're going to like run yourself to the ground to an early grave. Yeah, man. Amen to that. So like, so now like I try and make as many mistakes as I can, like, you know, within reason, depending on what it is. Um so then I can like learn more because that's how you learn is either through experience by making mistakes. Um, empiricism is the word you learn through experience because sometimes reading doesn't give you like the nuances of something. Mm. And that's where experience comes hand in hand with, with knowledge. Theory. And um, like exactly. Yeah. With book knowledge. Um, well, that's what they were running off. In yeah. And so these days, weren't they, they were doing like uh, empirical evidence back then. I think that was, yeah, yeah I think that's like, um, because I, I came from a, an upbringing where education was power and don't get me wrong. It was, um, 
but at the same time, like I kind of reached a point where I was like, why? Like, I feel like I know I'm supposed to know everything, but why don't I feel like I know everything? Mm. And that's because there's like, you know, there's like things like social interaction, um, different types of respect, like those things aren't taught in a book. Mm. Um, and so you, I feel like when I read something, I need some time off from reading to apply the knowledge I feel I gained and then kind of filter out what I feel works for me and what doesn't. Mm. Amen, man. Amen. I love that. What about the emotions? What emotions, and, and during that same period, what emotions challenged you most? Anger, anxiety, shame, guilt, fear, sadness? Um, definitely shame. Um, yeah. Because I was afraid to, to speak up and be who I was, I was always a, kind of ashamed of who I was. Um, and it was funny, um, like, for example, I was ashamed of my skin tone growing up because I used to get made fun of. But now, like, you know, I'm walking around, like, and I don't really care what people think, but I've been getting, like, compliments about, you know, like, everyone's like, oh, I love your tan. And I'm like, oh, this is just my natural color. Like, <laughs> I don't have a tan. <laughs> but thank you, though. And it's like, you know, the, the things that I was worrying about when I was younger, I am, like, fully embraced now or, like, embraced more. And it's it's just crazy because I can't believe that's what I was ashamed of. Like, the things that uh, make me who I am are what, who was what I was ashamed of. But now like, I'm, I'm like super proud of it. Like my, my heritage, my culture. Um, and I guess like, yeah, like I didn't really have any outlet to like talk to anyone about it. Like, you know, is this normal? Am I supposed to get made fun of because I eat or, or say, or do this? Like, um, yeah. And, and so that was my, one of the biggest emotions I had to deal with was shame. And I still deal with it here and there and um but i also kind of take pride in, you know you know if, if i don't see anyone similar to me doing this i guess like i can be the first and you know set a torch for people who are kind of lost in that same way and kind of look towards me for some for some light mm, that's beautiful man that's beautiful do you uh have you worked through that process or say that that emotion of shame did you ever contribute that to something that's happened in your past? Like, I mean, people pleasing has been something that you've built up over time. Was there anything mm -hmm. you were sort of hiding from something from your past in particular? Um, that made me become shameful. Mm. Um, I think part of where the origin of shame came from was I used to get bullied a lot, believe it or not. Like, um, like if you see me now, like, I would say I'm like, I'm an above average guy physically. So no one like really, no one really like picks on me nowadays, but like growing up, I was like a runt. I was like super tiny. Um, and the only thing that kind of kept things at bay in terms of the bullying was I was, I, I would say I was like gifted athletically. So, you know, when they, people could see what I can do in sports, they gave me praise for that. But then once, you know, all the sporting or athletic events were done, it would go back to, you know, shaming me for who I was or what I did or said. Mm. So I think that's where it originated from. Mm -hmm. um, and so over time, like I would, I would be scared to share who I really was. So like I was very, I was very artsy growing up and um, that was something I always kind of hid. Um, but like from, from other people, 
but to myself, like I would still draw, I would still write. Um, I'd still love music and stuff like that. I just never was very vocal about it. Mm. And I guess only until recently, uh, maybe like several years ago, I kind of to embrace it more because I realize, you know, that's what makes me happy. And, you know, so I would like read on my days off. I would write, I would starting to get back into drawing slowly and surely. And, uh, you know, now I have like this, this ambition to kind of learn how to play the, the guitar. And I've always wanted to learn how to play some type of music growing up, but I guess like I was very shame, ashamed of wanting to do that because you know, not the, the cool kids weren't doing it. Like, and unless you could sing right away, like no one really wanted to work with you, and, mm. you know, help you improve that whole perfection thing came back. So I think that's where it all stemmed from. As a kid, man, trying to like step out into your own, out of your, your that shadow, hey, it's, because kids can be so challenging, especially if you're already being bullied. Like it's, it can be so challenging. Did you find forgiveness for that? For that? Like, have you let that go and accepted that? And I mean, you're stepping out of that shadow heaps. So, um, yeah, I reached a point where, um, you know, I didn't really need to talk to, you know, bully one or bully two. Um, because I realized, you know, just talking to them and trying to get closure, um, I kind of felt like it would be more like anxiety ridden. Mm. Um, because like if I stand, if I stood in front of that person, the only thing that would happen was everything that person said or did would just like run through my mind. Mm. It's like almost like a physical reminder. And I don't know if I'd be able to actually control all that and be able to say what I needed to say. Mm. So I got to a point where I realized, you know what? I don't need to actually forgive them in person. I can forgive them where I am right now, whether I'm sitting in my room, sitting in my car. And the only reason I need to do this is because anytime I give them um, power, so any thought, whether it's negative or positive, and they're involved, I'm giving them some of my energy, some of my power. So I need to kind of forgive them so I can let that go. And then I'll have all this new energy, new power to um, pour into whatever I want now, mm. um, whether it's you know writing or reading, journaling, whatever it is. Now I have all this time and energy that I can use for that. So definitely now I, I realize the importance of forgiveness. And I try and preach that too. Like, um, yesterday I was talking to a friend and she just, her, she told me her boyfriend just broke up with her and she, I asked her how she was doing and she was like, I'm, I'm in a better place now. And I can tell she was still like a little sour about everything. And so I kind of gave her a speech about the importance of forgiveness and why you should forgive him. Even in a, even if you don't do it in front of him and tell him to his face, you should still forgive him in your heart because all that time, you know, wishing you would, you did this or did that is just wasted energy. And if you can forgive him, you can let go of that. And now you'll be able, you'll be more of a free person, mm. free individual to do as you please. Mm. So that's beautiful. Whose love did you crave most growing up? And who did you have to be to get it? Um, the love that I craved the most was from my grandfather who raised me. Um, and he unexpectedly died on August 30th, 2001. Um, just had like a brain aneurysm when he slept and basically became a vegetable because of that. Um, 
So I believe my, my parents decided to just pull the plug because they didn't want to, they didn't want to like visit him, like just like laying there with a breathing tube and like not being able to respond in any way. They didn't want that kind of life for him. So they pulled the plug. He was definitely someone I still um, want to be able to be with mm. up to even to this day, because a lot of the things he told me never really clicked or made sense until I got older. Um, so stuff about chivalry stuff about, you know, killing people with kindness because at the end of the day, like you don't want to give them, like if someone's being mean to you, you don't want to finally say that mean thing to them because they've been a dick all, all this time because then they will just use that as the reason why they were being mean to you. Mm. You know, if you're always killing them with kindness, like they can't really say anything bad about you. And you know, the worst thing that they, you can do is just smile in front of them because you, they know they can't get to you. Mm. So definitely they were he was the one whose love i was looking for the most so when he died unexpectedly it was a big shock and so i tried to get it from my parents but my parents were you know busy working trying to support the family and at for a while i was always not angry but disappointed that i never really got the attention i wanted from my parents mm-hmm. um but i'm looking back now i kind of realized they were just doing the best with what they knew and all they knew was to work hard and provide for the family. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't really realize, you know, maybe I should have a conversation with my kids and see how they're doing. Mm-hmm. That wasn't how they were raised to, you know, take care of the kids. So I kind of learned how to forgive them for that. And now that I'm older and more conscious, I can have those conversations that I've been craving. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's it worked out the better that way because now I'm, I'm more emotionally stable and a little more intelligent um, to be able to kind of realize, you know, all the bad feelings that I had and not let that overwhelm the conversation when I have that I have with them. Yeah. 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 It's so interesting, man. Me and you had so many similar things. Like I was raised with my grandfather too. And definitely he's one of the, he's someone who would definitely want around right now. um, and, And I wouldn't be who I am today without him. So, yeah, it's so interesting you have that to hear that because when we first caught up, we knew we had a lot of similarities with just coming from the same place, you know, with yeah. thoughts and perspectives. So it's, I've... And, uh, oh, the other thing I wanted to add was, um, so who do I look for that love? So it's crazy because, so I've told you this, is I have this thing with owls. Mm-hmm. And whenever I feel like, you know, if I pray or just like, you know, talk to myself as, as if I'm talking to my grandfather, um, I'll always get a sign, whether it's like a picture or an actual owl will come into like my sight. And for whatever reason, I always had this inner knowing that when I see that, see an owl, a picture of an owl or an actual owl, that was the universe's sign of telling me I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. Mm. Um, and you had a pretty crazy like, about that, didn't you? Did you want to share? I did, that? yeah. Do I want to share that? Yeah. 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 So, um, you know, as a firefighter, I see a lot of bad things. Um, I see a lot of people in the lowest places of their life. And so one time I had a, I had an emergency medical call, um, a patient overdosed and that patient's heart stopped. So we did a protocol and brought that person back to life. Um, 
long enough so that person can be transported to the hospital and given like even better care. And so while we were transporting that patient uh, to the ambulance, the healthcare worker at this, uh, what would you call it? We call it an SRO. It's like a single room occupancy uh, meant for low income people. And usually those low income people are like drug addicts. um, The majority of them. So this healthcare worker that works in this SRO um, grabbed the needles we use to inject uh, naloxin, which combats the opioids that cause the overdose in the patient. And she was holding it very neglectfully. So she was holding it with the syringe or the Sharpie point facing forward and she's walking behind me. So these rooms are usually very hoarded up. Um, because that's part of a mental health illness is usually like a lack. They feel like they're, they're always going to lack something. So they keep everything they have. So my coworker in front of me is walking and he slows down. So I naturally slow down. And this healthcare worker who's walking behind me with the needles facing forward, didn't slow down and ram these needles into the back of my arm. Uh, and I have quite a lot of tattoos. So I know what a poke feels like. And so these needles were shared with the patient and I, and the patient had um, HIV, hepatitis B and hepatitis C. And the patient also had cancer, but I knew cancer can't be uh, transmitted through blood. So I was deathly worried about contracting HIV, hep B and hep C. So uh, to shorten the story, I ended up going to the hospital and, as I'm waiting to see the doctor, my mind's just racing. Like, you know, is my life over? Do I have to take medication? Like, um, am I going to get made fun of? Because now I have like all these new diseases. Like, and, like my mind was just like racing in the wrong direction um, for the worse. And so as I'm sitting in the hospital bed, I'm like scanning the room and I see like a small poster. And in the corner of that poster, I see like a cartoon owl. And for whatever reason, once I saw that owl, I felt like this wave of calm just like rushed through my body. Mm -hmm. And it just told me I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. So after that, I kind of calmed down. And all my coworkers who were in the room waiting with me, they're like freaking out, asking me why I'm so calm. And I didn't really explain why I became calm all of a sudden, because I wasn't sure if they'd understand. But once, once that once I saw that owl, it was like, okay, this is part of, part of my journey. And so fast forward, you know, six, seven months later, you know, everything came out negative. All the blood tests came back negative. Um, and so I felt like I had to go through that for, for one, one of the reasons I believe was, uh, I needed to get my dog. So Mm. while I booked off work, I was having so much anxiety Uh, an opportunity for me to own a dog came up and when I visited with the, the owner and, and all the litter of puppies, this one dog gravitated towards me. And like, as soon as like we locked eyes, I just kind of knew like I'm supposed to take this one home. And Mm. now he's, his name's Keanu um, named after not the actor, but the meaning behind it and his personality. So he has a very chill personality and Keanu's Hawaiian for, chill or cool breeze over a mountain. Mm. So that's why I bestowed that name upon him. 
<laughs> and now he's he's a big part of my family and mm. he brings a lot of joy and you know still teaches me a lot of life lessons such as patience <laughs> patience is a never-ending virtue to keep learning but yeah, so, you know, had I not seen that owl during that whole ordeal, mm. I probably would have stressed myself to a point where I, I physically would have aged a lot sooner mm-hmm. um, in terms of like getting white hair and not being able to sleep, like things like that. And to some people, it may seem a little weird, you know, like you just saw an image and you kind of just had blind faith. But I think... I don't know. That's just kind of sometimes how I operate. Like sometimes I just take a leap of faith and the trust part comes later because when you, when you try and gauge the pros and cons, sometimes it takes way too long and you know, it may add more stress than needed. Yeah, totally. Um, Like, but like is blind faith a bad thing? No, like you've got that mindset to learn from all your, the situations that you're in anyway. And I don't think blind faith faith is a bad thing but you know on another deeper level that's that's what Carl Jung calls synchronicity and oh yeah and that's 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 something big there man like we talk about this you and I it's like the synchronicities in your existence like these signs to say it's going to be okay that there is this something communicating this language of meaning coming through so that's that's potent man I love that um, but you talked a little bit about like you seeing a lot of people in their low points just before, like in your job. Yep. One of your lowest points. And a question I ask all men on this series is, was suicide ever an option for you? Um, so a couple of my low points would have been one when my grandfather died. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I, right after that, uh, my parents sent me to Hawaii to kind of get my mind off of it. Mm-hmm. And looking back, I was like, that was probably like the worst thing they could have done, but they wouldn't have known cause I never said anything mm-hmm. because like I had all these questions. I had, I had all these things in me that I needed to be discussed and talked about. And so when that outlet was kind of shut, it was kind of just like buried deep down and it never really came back up until um, I had this one relationship where I thought like I was supposed to, you know, spend the rest of my life with this girl. And I find out in the last month of like our seven plus year relationship, she cheated on me is when I broke down. And during that low point, um, you know, I was just crying endlessly and I ended up driving to the church. So I was baptized Roman Catholic. I don't really consider myself Catholic because I'm not really practicing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I consider myself more spiritual, but for whatever reason, I ended up in this church and it was empty. There was like maybe a couple elderly ladies in there praying at night and I was in the back and I had like a pen and paper with me. I can't remember why, but I just did. And I just started writing and I basically wrote uh, a letter to my grandfather as if he was still alive. And when I did that, when I did that, all the questions that I had when I was 13 years old, why he had died, why, you know, why this, why did it have to happen this way? It all came back up. And I realized like, holy shit, I kept that buried for almost a decade. Mm. And it was because like, you know, no one ever asked me, how did I feel about my grandfather dying? Mm. So that was definitely too low points um the other low point would have been when i shredded my ankle and had to relearn how to walk because physically i felt like i was 
in the prime of, of my strength and performance. And then now all of a sudden I can't even like, I need a wheelchair to get around. Um, and it was like instantaneous. Like it was something, one freak accident, uh, one freak injury during practice. And that was it. Like, um, the trajectory of my life changed and I always kind of blamed my situation there where, you know, why did I go back and try and play? Why did I do this? I always felt like that incident changed the trajectory of my life. Mm. But when I look back, I feel like that injury was a part of my journey. Mm -hmm. It didn't affect my trajectory. It was always part of it. Mm. Um, Because during that, I became a lot more spiritual because I had nothing else to rely upon. Like, you know, am I ever going to able to walk again? Um, Will I be able to finish my master's degree while I'm rehabbing? Um, You know, all these things came to mind. And so I kind of had to have blind faith that it would all work out. And this was all before like, you know, me seeing owls and stuff. Um, This was like way before that. So I just kind of had to like stay positive and keep telling myself, you know, keep doing the work. It'll all work out. Um, And finally one day it just all clicked probably like, I'd say like almost six or seven years later of just like constant physical rehab. Um, Everything just clicked as to why everything had happened. And, um, now physically I feel better than ever. I may have like just one restriction, but it doesn't really affect my performance mm. in like anything I try and do. Mm. Um, but I feel physically, I still haven't even reached my prime and let alone like mentally or emotionally. So it was definitely a good eye opener and a humbling experience. Yeah. Um, something I can definitely share with a lot of people because Again, like I thought my life was, you know, play pro sports. But even then, when you look at it, sports doesn't last forever. Like yeah. it's going to come to an end. And I never really asked myself, what am I going to do after? Mm. So it kind of changed the perspective and made me ask like, okay, well, what are my other plans? What are my other strengths? What do I like to do? What do, what do I hate? Mm. Um, what, am I, what am I putting up with still that I shouldn't? Mm. So I feel like all these events like – made me ask, made me change the questions I've been asking myself. Um, and I think that's a big, big thing is people ask themselves the wrong questions. And so when you ask yourself the wrong questions, you're the universe gives you like the wrong answers or the answers that don't really fulfill you. So I, so I feel like phrasing, like finding out the right questions to ask yourself about your life, about your path, whether it's career path, relationship, I think if you're able to find the right question, you'll be able to get the answer that actually will fulfill you. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I love that, man. I love that you've, you've got that, you got that growth mindset where you just, you know, and it wasn't in the moment because it, it obviously got you down, but you've, you've cultivated it over time. It's like, well, I've got to choose to learn from this. I think that's super valuable, man. I, I, it's one of the things that I've preached it nearly on every platform that I'm on is choose to learn. Like learning is a choice. That's exactly a creator mindset and a victim mindset like learning is a choice but it's and that's why i love interviewing men on this series because it's just so many men like that they chose to rise above it and go i gotta do something about this i love that brother what was the significant yeah. moment of awakening for you joe like what was the thing that was just like damn something's here was it that low point or was there something else um 
I think it was, it was a little bit of both. It was definitely the low points where I was like, okay, there's like, there's another way there has to be because I've like exhausted all options in this, this, this type of way. And then I guess like after, you know, pouring all this time and effort into myself physically, spiritually, emotionally, um, I had like some random people, like they, they told me like, you know, you seem very different, like in a good way. Like, mm-hmm. uh, and they used to say like, you're, you seem like more at peace. Like you're super chill. Like, it doesn't seem like anything bothers you. And like, at that moment I was like, really? Like, I remember when like this used to just piss me off and that used to like get on my nerves. Um, I think that's when it kind of hit me. I was like, you know, maybe what I've been doing is actually working to the point where it's like, I'm, um, how do you say it? I'm like radiating it out because people can read that energy. Um, and then slowly but surely people would start telling me their problems, even if it was like strangers. Mm. And like, I never used to know why that happened. Uh, I just thought like, Oh, maybe he just, this person just seems very comfortable around me. But even then I found it strange. Like, you know, we're just two complete strangers and you're telling me like one of your biggest life problems at the moment, (laughs) whether it's, whether it's a divorce, whether it's a heartache, whether it's, you know, you lost your job. Um, and I think that's when it started to hit me over and over again. It's like, okay, like maybe I was meant for something greater. Um, because like, I don't think that's normal where people can just like kind of fully trust you right away and share some of their deepest skeletons with you. Mm. Um, there must be something I'm exuding that gives them the, the trust that they can confide in me almost. Yeah. Yeah. I see that in you. Yeah. It's like, a, it's very peaceful. Like this has been one of my most peaceful, calming interviews. Really. <laughs> easy going i love it man like some some are very like oh yeah there's so much information and some are just like it's very peaceful and calming so yeah and it's like well, people always ask me like how do you do it like and i'm like what do you mean it like how do i do what it's like how do you basically they're i think basically they're asking me is how do i manage everything that happens everything that i experience and still be able to stay even keeled yeah um And I think part of that is because like you mentioned, like choosing to grow is a choice, right? It's almost like, um, how do I say it? Uh, it's almost like, uh, almost like motivation where it's something you need to do daily. Like you need to motivate yourself daily to, to learn to just to learn because it's like showering. You don't just do it once. And then like you smell good the rest of your life. You have to like shower daily. Otherwise, after a while you're going to kind of smell, you know what I mean? (laughs) So it's like, I kind of use that comparison and uh, that metaphor. Like it's like showering. You got to do it every day, right? Like it's (laughs) (laughs) yeah, like you stink of dumb. (laughs) (laughs) Like you wouldn't just, you wouldn't just shower once and like you're good for the week. Like, you know, it's something you got to do daily. And, it's a practice, right? It's not just like I agree. a course and you're certified for life. Like that's anything. Hey, like you got to create a positive habit. It's like, a, uh, what do they say? Like any habit is done through repetitive action. So if you, yeah. if you want to create a positive habit, do some positive actions. If you want to create a self-defeating habit, do some self-defeating actions. 
um, and do it consistently, repetitively, and you'll get there. But yeah, I feel you, man. Yeah, because like uh, if you do something every day, you create a habit, and if you do it for, I believe it's twenty-one days, creates a new habit. Yeah. 90, 90 consecutive days creates a new lifestyle. Yeah, well, wow, that's cool. I like that. I see that. Uh, what healing modality did you use on your on your journey? Like, did you have you been on much of a healing journey? And and what healing modality helped you most? Like, what are we talking about? Like, are you talking about? Um, so, your, after your awakening period, you've sort of gone down. A yeah. Like more self discovery. Maybe you've realized, oh, I'm a people pleaser. I see that emotion. I see that vice. Like, did you start doing a heal, like healing parts of you that were perhaps wounded from your past experiences? Was that- yeah. Um, so definitely everything started with journaling and reading mm. that definitely kind of made me more mindful of where my thoughts are currently at. Mm. Um, and then slowly I started to, I started to venture into breath work because Breathing, I believe, is like the essence of life. That's the first thing you're given and the first thing you take when you die is a breath. And I've always believed, you know, if you can control your breath, you can control your emotions because, you know, when you're driving and someone cuts you off, what's going to change? Your breath. You're going to start getting angry and probably get some road rage. If the person you've been crushing on finally tells you they like you, you know, your heart's going to go up, your breath is going to change. So if you can control your breath, you can probably control a lot of situations in your life mm. or even just create enough gap between stimulus and then your response. So you don't, you don't act uh, foolishly or respond in a foolish manner. Um, so definitely breath work has helped me a lot. Um, and then I started doing um, sound baths. Mm, nice. Right. Because like, like when you're around certain people, you feel alive, you feel energetic. And when you're around some other people, you feel just drained. Like they just suck the life out of you. So I always felt like physical energy and physical vibrations um, can put you in a good state. Like, you know, when you're working out, if you have a good song playing, you feel amped up. And so that's why I started to venture into sound bath. And it's it actually been really nice. It helps. Uh, it's worked with me. Um, puts me in a, in a better state. Mm. uh physically and then kind of translates uh mentally as well because i always believed if you tap out mentally it's because physically you gave out first Mm. so i've always been trying to take care of my body um but also not just solely rely on on the physical aspect also you know do other things uh yoga has definitely helped because in yoga you got to be able to uh, breathe and sink and help open up certain parts of your body um what else have I done? Uh, That's awesome. Medi- meditation for sure. Um, that one's that one's always a big practice. Uh, Wim Hof. I don't, you've heard of Wim Hof. Yeah, man. Yeah, we went for cold. Wim Hof. Yeah, like I definitely love cold water immersions um, and being able to breathe and not like hyperventilate while you're under cold exposure is also pretty cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm always open to new, to try new and different things. Um, I recently tried this other one. Um, it's called, the general term is called light therapy. I'd have to forward you. Um, is it it's called the Lush. Oh, what's that? Keep going, sir. Lush, Lucia number five, light. Yeah. So, so basically, um, I have a friend who actually owns one of them and I can forward you her contact and she'll like give you a free demo. But basically it's like this light 
that's shown above your third eye. And there's different patterns, different strobes of light, different intensities. And what it, what it does is it puts you in a state of right before, like you get into deep REM sleep. Um, and it allows your mind to pretty much process everything that's been built up up to that point. Mm. Um, because if you don't get enough deep REM sleep, um, you can't really digest your stressors. It kind of just stays stuck in your brain. So it puts you in a state of like at the end of wakefulness, but like right before you get into deep, deep REM sleep. Um, and everyone's, everyone has different experiences. Uh, like you kind of see, like, it's almost like you're looking through a kaleidoscope because you, you might see patterns, you might see colors, wow. but afterwards I felt like super, super calm. Like everything that I had was worried and agitated about my brain was able to, to digest it in an objective way with no like emotional baggage. And that's something I, I've done recently. Uh, I'll probably do it again pretty soon. Um, yeah, I'd have to send you more info. Cause, um, so that's really cool. I love uh, There's another one called Juve. I think it is Juve. Uh, Juve. Okay. Yeah. Red light therapy. So it's like, I haven't studied, looked into it enough, but apparently that's been really, and like they've got a portable light that you can take with you for traveling, but that red light is that infrared light, uh, that helps something. I don't know. <laughs> but, um, Oh yeah. Yeah. I've done infrared sauna too. Kind of sweat out all the toxins. Uh, have you been up to Halsa just up on fourth? No, what's that? Oh, bro, we got to go. It is next level, man. It's like filled with all the books. It's like got sacred geometry in their water. Um, they've got like free tea and you can go and sit up there and read all the books. They've got like Oracle cards sitting there when you can wait, but it's like infrared float center, meditation hall, energy healing. It's on fourth across the road from uh, turf. Oh no, I never even knew about that. You know, you have to take me. Yeah, we'll go check it out for sure. Maybe we'll check it out. Um, we'll walk past it tomorrow. Yeah, I'm down. Cool, man. Um, all right. Next question. What about your friend group? How has that changed as you've changed? We've got a few more questions here. Oh, that's, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I would say I, I, I get along with like every group. Some yeah. groups I like to hang out more than others, obviously. Yeah. Um, my friend group definitely has changed um, more so because of my career choice. So I, I work shift patterns. Um, it doesn't mean like my old friends I don't hang out with anymore, but it just means I don't get to see them as often because I don't work your typical nine to five. Mm -hmm. I'm on a rotating schedule and my schedule rotates every eight days. So what happened was, you know, I'd be free and all my friends are still working. My, my, my original friends. And then, when and vice versa so it kind of made me open my mind and i somehow i just started meeting entrepreneurs because they make their own hours um like if they have to work into the night they can if they need a break they take the break mm. um so now that kind of woke up my own entrepreneurial spirit awesome being able to like work for myself and if it's something i'm really passionate about i can work non-stop for how many hours and not have to worry about taking a mandatory lunch break or you know, being forced to go home. Mm. So that definitely changed my friend group or added to my friend group. Mm. And then now that I'm more awake, like I love deep conversation. I mm. sometimes small talk just irritates the hell out of me. Like, mm. so finding people who are like-minded like yourself um, has been 
kind of like a challenge because I don't find many guys who like to have conversations like this. Mm. Mostly like females. I can find females easily who would love to have deep chats like this. But um, slowly but surely, my tribe is growing in, in this field, I would say. And I'm kind of happy about it. But I've always been more about quality than quantity. I never really worried about how many friends, more about just the quality of each person. Yeah, beautiful, man. I love that. It's definitely something that's changed in nearly everyone that I've interviewed. Everyone's like, yep, I'm going to do a, I'm going to do a, like a, a snippet of, of that over the episodes is like me asking the question, then all the answers. I've done that a few times and it's yeah. like, yep, that's changed, 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 changed. Like so many, it's, it's a natural part, you know, like as your values change, you'd want to spend more time talking about your values. And if someone doesn't align with them, then it's really hard to talk about them. Right. So it's, it's so normal. Yeah. And I, I love hearing everyone's story on that. Two questions left for you, brother. What part of this journey, this conscious journey, are you most grateful for? Um, oh, it's crazy you asked that. So yesterday I just kind of realized this journey that I'm on is not just for me. It's for everyone that I love and kind of like just being like a beacon of light that there is another way yeah. that, you know, everything that you've ever wanted, you can still achieve. Like there's no right or wrong way. You just have to be able to stay open to change and continue to put in the work. Um, and when you do that, then the possibilities are endless. Amen, brother. Amen. Isn't that crazy? Eh? Love yeah. It. And what's one tip that you would give your old self who's just starting this journey? One tip I'd give my old self. Um, definitely something I still learn to this day is stay patient. Yeah, you said that before, right? <laughs> yeah, you can't you can't force the outcomes. Um, it it'll come. Like I always used to just force everything and try and make it work my way and you know, like I'd always feel so fatigued and tired because I'm putting all this energy against the current. And, you know, if you stay patient, it'll come. Like I've always like, even to this day, I, there's still a lot of things I have to be patient about, but mm. I feel like that's going to be like a never ending virtue. I got to keep practicing. It's playing the long game, eh? Play the long game. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's, that's another thing I would tell myself is, you know, long-term, not short-term. Mm. Yeah, man. I appreciate that, brother. That's been a beautiful interview. Uh, thank you for your time and thank you for sharing your journey and, and being real with us today, man. Appreciate it. Thanks, man. I've been glad to help. You know, anyone has any questions, you know, you can feel free to ask me about my journey. Yeah. I'm an open book. Um, yeah, uh, I have nothing to hide. I'd love to meet and meet more like-minded people. So, yeah. yeah, give me a shout. Beautiful, brother. And thank you to everyone for listening. Again, if you do have anything that you want to uh, let us know, you see our Instagram handles in the show notes. It's the best way to reach out that way or you can email me. But uh, do your best. Remember that it, you don't compare yourself to anyone else. Where we are and where you are is non-comparable. I repeat, non-comparable. So do not even bother doing it. Just walk your path. Much love, everyone. Take care. Love and just be 
I got love in my eyes, bro, I can't see I'm gonna be who I'm destined to be Wokeness is taking my old self away Yeah, I put love into me I'm spreading that love, yo, don't you see? Grab your cacao and drink it with me Cause wokeness is taking my old self away Woke man, wokey woke man Woke man, wokey woke man Woke man, wokey woke man Bring love and just be Woke man, wokey woke man Woke man, wokey woke man Woke man, wokey woke man Bring love and just be